President Biden recently announced that employers with 100 or more employees will need to require each employee to be vaccinated or be tested weekly. What does all this mean to our employers in the greater Augusta region? We are talking to a U.S. Chamber representative and a member of Congress on this episode of Range of Influence. Welcome to another episode of ROI, or Range of Influence. I'm Russell Hodney, President and CEO of the Columbia County Chamber, here with a special episode of the podcast to talk about the new vaccine requirements issued by President Biden. The format of this episode is a little bit different, but we wanted to provide up-to-date information on the new emergency temporary standard coming from OSHA. We talked to Mark Friedman, Vice President of Workplace Policy at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. In his role, he covers all OSHA matters at the U.S. Chamber. We also talked to Congressman Rick Allen, who is Georgia's 12th District Rep in the House of Representatives. We wanted to get his perspective on the new requirements and the impacts on the business community. Now, before we get into the two interviews, we want to thank and recognize our presenting sponsor, Premier Networks, for supporting the Chamber's podcast. We'll dive into those interviews after this message from Premier Networks. Premier Networks is the premier information technology and cybersecurity firm in the CSRA. You have enough to worry about for your business. Leave it to the Augusta IT guys to ensure your IT is done right. No ironclad contracts, no fine print, just fast, reliable technology from an experienced customer-centric team, locally owned. Call for a free cyber assessment because in 2021, IT has to be right. Premier Networks, the official IT partner of the Augusta Green Jackets. We're going to start with our conversation that we had with Mark Friedman from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us. So you're a uh, OSHA expert, uh, at least uh, as best as they come. Uh, kind of give us a, an idea of what this, this new um, law or requirement is going to be and, and how it's going to be implemented and, and really what businesses can expect out of this. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but the big story here is how much we don't know. Um, To be honest with you, all we have is a glorified press release saying that there's going to be an OSHA emergency temporary standard uh, and that it will apply to employers with 100 or more employees and that it will require those employers to make sure their employees are vaccinated or get tested weekly. That's it. So there's there's an awful lot yet to come. Um, OSHA is right now trying to, I shouldn't say trying to, actually developing the emergency temporary standard. Um, they have said that it will be out in a, in a matter of weeks. They didn't say how many. Um, it could be quite a few, it could be something shorter. Um, but we won't know a lot about how this happens until, or about what's going to happen until they issue the actual emergency temporary standard. And my understanding is once it's printed, it goes into effect immediately, unless you're one of these 22 states that have a state plan. 
Right, right. So, so this is a very unusual um, type of OSHA regulation. Uh, normally, they they develop their proposal, they put it out for comment. There's a period of you know some months where people send in their comments. Those comments get digested, and a final rule shows up. And the period and the, and the whole process can take a period of years. I mean, it typically does take years. In an emergency temporary standard setting, which is what we have here, um, OSHA is going to issue uh, what is often referred to as an interim final regulation. That means that it goes into effect as of issuance, and it's also open for comment. So two things will happen at once. They'll put this thing out on the street, and it will be a live fire exercise, and they'll be open for comment for some period uh, you know, at least 30 days. We hope that maybe more than that. Now, there is in OSHA world a separate little arena called state plan states. And states are allowed to operate their own safety agency uh, if what they propose as their safety regulations uh, is reviewed by the federal OSHA and is regarded as uh, as effective as, those are the terms that they use. In those state plan states, when federal OSHA issues a regulation, those state plan states have a 30-day window to either issue their own version of that regulation, which would have to be seen as as effective as, or adopt the federal standard. So there will be a little bit of a lag in those state plan states uh, as to when this goes into effect. Um, eventually, they'll have to have something that looks a lot like the federal standard or just the federal standard. So in talking about that a little bit, um, I've heard a couple different thoughts on what the repercussions will be if, let's say, there's noncompliance. I've heard anywhere from fines of 14000 anywhere up to $70,000, uh, depending on you know, how you kind of read some of this. Can you clarify some of that or if you can? Sure. So the, the, the number that has been put out in the media is that uh, violations or an employer will be subject to fines. And I think they probably use the phrase up to $14,000 per violation. Um, $14,000 uh, is associated with a level of, of violation called serious. In, in OSHA world, there's, def, there's, levels, there's different levels of violation. Serious is considered, as you might imagine, one of the higher levels. The highest level is called willful. Um, and that, that is a much higher level of, under, of violation on the employer's part. Um, so they, they've, they've said 14,000 in terms of per violation. Now, the problem with that is the way OSHA typically looks at these things they'll rack up each employee who didn't get vaccinated as a separate violation. So if you're an employer and you're found to not have back to have X number of employees who are not vaccinated and have not been tested uh, or do not have acceptable exemptions, then each one of those employees will constitute a separate violation times $14,000. So you could you could get in a uh, in a pinch. Real it can quick. get to be a big number very quickly, and 
if I have to opine here for a moment, my guess is that OSHA will look to make these penalties stick. They will look to make examples out of these when they when they decide to do enforcement. So, you know, they're gonna they're gonna try and scare employers straight on this, and they will want to make a big play. Now, the other side of that coin was the federal you know, workers, but also uh, employers that contract with the federal government. If you can maybe address that a little bit, I've had questions from business owners that say, you know, I have a federal contract, but only, you know, two or three of my employees, you know, work on that contract. Do all of my employees need to be vaccinated? I, I keep telling them, assume that the answer is yes. Well, that's exactly the, the heart of the matter in the federal contractor executive order that that came out was announced at basically the same time. Um, and so what the, the White House and the president are trying to do is to leverage the federal contractor workforce as another way to increase the number of people who get vaccinated. In that setting, they aren't allowing for the testing as a backup. And so this is still something that we know more about, but we still don't have the final details. Um, this has come out as a full executive order, and they've, they've described in that executive order a lot more about what they expect to see happen in the contracting world. Now, you put your finger on one of the really, I think, difficult, vexing questions that people are going to have. Which of my employees do I have to worry about here? And the way they've talked about this, the language they've used is to say employees on uh, working on a federal contract or in support of a federal contract would be subject to the vaccination requirement. Now, that phrase, in support of a federal contract, as you can imagine, is extraordinarily vague. Um, the example you gave of a, of a company who says, I've got a few employees working on a federal contract and all the other ones have nothing to do with it. If they have nothing to do with it, then under this description, they would not be subject to that vaccine mandate. But you can imagine that the phrase in support of is going to be read very broadly. And, you know, I, for one, can't tell you what the limiting principle around that phrase is. So, you know, I would just tell employers with federal contracts to tread carefully in, in trying to determine whether somebody is working in support of a federal contract or not. I've already heard potentially some states are talking about legal challenges to this. Um, can you give any light to that? Is there any grounds? Do you think this is the legal challenges might go anywhere? Well, there's no doubt that there are going to be challenges. And you're seeing a lot of the states and the governors making those types of noises already. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting question as to how those challenges come forward. And let's be clear, we don't have anything they can shoot at at this point. I know the Arizona AG just filed an action, but until this thing gets issued as an interim, as an emergency temporary standard, you're, you're suing on a press release, and that's just not enough to, to build a lawsuit around. So, I, you know, there will be litigation. I'm not going to try and handicap the prospects of success at this stage, because, again, we don't know what they're going to say exactly. And, and what the legal arguments are going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of things to shoot at in this, but whether people can 
construct the legal theory that that holds up is I think is going to be something we have to wait to see. I really do appreciate you uh, answering a couple quick questions for us. And uh, we thank you for the work that you guys do and uh, appreciate uh, your your work in, in trying to understand everything that OSHA does up there. <laughs> I'm glad to be with you, Russ. And, you know, we should make a date to talk in the future when this thing pops, because, as I said, yes. there's, there's a whole lot more that is going to that we're going to find out about that we don't we just don't have the answers to right now i mean the, the question we keep getting at the chamber we we, we put out a, a call to our broad membership to say tell us what your concerns are and the one that i think has come up the most most repeatedly is who's going to pay for the testing how do we handle the cost of the testing um and we don't know i mean that's going to be a question that osha has to answer um you know amongst many others but that one, I think, is the one that has really gotten people's attention and, and showed up uh, the most frequently. Well, thank you, Mark. And, and I'd, I'd take you up on that offer for uh, connecting again once this hits the street, because, as you said, uh, we really won't know until until the, the meat is on the bone uh, what actually we're looking at. So That's correct. Thank you for your time, Mark. My pleasure, Russ. We also spoke with Representative Rick Allen to get his perspective on the push to get people vaccinated. He first talked about the new order from President Biden to OSHA and how it will impact the business community. Well, I, yeah, he uh, gave the he directed uh, OSHA to require employees with 100, with 100 plus workers to mandate the vaccine or conduct weekly testing, in addition to providing paid time off for an employee to get vaccinated or during their recovery from the vaccination. Uh, it's going to impact uh, over 80 million workers, uh, particularly in the private sector. It's already difficult to get tested. The testing requirements is now under another unfunded government uh, mandate. Uh, un unfortunately, OSHA has not disclosed any additional information to the Educational Labor Committee, which uh, has jur jurisdiction over OSHA. And all information about the details of the ETS is just purely speculation. Uh, like other regulations and ETS, we'll have to go through several steps of review. It may take several weeks, but OSHA has, uh, uh, has not publicly announced a final publication date. It is likely that the administration will argue that the option to test is already, al already the accommodation required under various federal labor laws. Under current law, OSHA can penalize employers $14,000 for noncompliance. However, under the portion of the $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill that the Education and Labor Committee recently passed last week, OSHA penalties could increase up to $70,000. Um, <clears> this is just another healthcare government overreach. Uh, by the federal government, uh, you know, already under uh, HHS and CMS, they dictate how long, I mean, I'm not talking about COVID, I'm talking about procedures, standard procedures, they dictate like how, how long a patient can stay in the hospital. Uh, they uh, dictate how long that uh, they can uh, have uh, a rehab after a surgery, a hip or a knee. And uh, we know the human body is very different 
we know that there are some instances where uh, people uh, have certain conditions and their physicians have recommended they not be vaccinated. What are these people going to do? Uh, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot up in the air on this. Obviously from the private sector standpoint, uh, this, I think probably every state with uh, right to work laws is going to file a lawsuit uh, on that basis because uh, those states guarantee a worker can keep his job and, and, uh, it, and not have to pay union dues or I would think that this would apply to this particular mandate as well. Uh, this whole thing has been handled uh, horribly. Uh, obviously it became political uh, because it occurred during an election. Uh, even this administration uh, had, had said they wouldn't take the vaccination if it was uh, uh, implemented under the previous administration. Usually in a crisis like this, the country comes together. This did not happen in this incident. And now there's mass confusion in the public, uh, even among the public medicine and private medicine. Uh, 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 their, their colleagues in the private sector that disagree with the way they're doing it uh, in the public sector, meaning uh, CDC. And so even the physician community can't get together on exactly how to do this. So how in the world can the Biden administration just kind of say, okay, there's this one size fits all top down federal mandate. And if you don't do it, you're gonna lose your job. I mean, that's just un-American. It's, uh, you know, I, you know it's, it's a, it, it, I'm sure the constitution, uh, constitutional lawyer is gonna have a great time with this one. But again, it's what we've seen out of this administration, one crisis after another, they can't seem to get people to uh, uh, to agree. They don't trust them. And and see uh, what I've told people. I said, listen, you, you know, this is a very dangerous disease. Uh, we know that uh, for a fact that uh, if you're not vaccinated and you're in ICU, you're probably not going home. And 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 that's serious. So we have to take it seriously. And so it, it, it's, it's a must that you go see your physician. Your physician knows your medical history and rely on your fish, physician's advice. If he advises you to get vaccinated, obviously I would do that and that will save your life. Representative Allen also touched on the challenges around major events and vaccine passports. It, it also you know, calls on large energy entertainment venues like sports arenas and concert venues to require vaccination or proof of negative tests for entry. Um, you know, now we're getting back to the vaccine passports, which again, uh, conflicts with uh, HIPAA laws because our medical records are uh, to be kept confidential. And so this is the direct conflict with current federal law. Uh, and, and like, Currently, no federal policy has been implemented that requires individuals to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination. Well, then, okay, how are they going to know? As of now, four states, which includes California, New York, Hawaii, and Oregon, have implemented some sort of vaccine uh, passport. But uh, 
Governor uh, Brian Kemp has banned any state-operated vaccine passport program in Georgia. I was with the governor uh, on uh, Monday evening in Atlanta at a uh, uh, heritage uh, event, and uh, the governor uh, made it very clear that as far as the private sector, he is going to, the, and the attorney general has made it very clear, they're going to fight this thing all the way to Supreme Court. Representative Allen continued by offering praise to our frontline workers and all Columbia County for helping keep the economy open. Let me tell you, you can either surrender this thing or you can fight it. Our folks have fought it in the 12th district. We've been in, we, we attended school all of last year. Uh, you know, a, a great uh, uh, shout out for our medical people, our teachers, and all of those workers that said, I'm going to work. We're going to fight this thing. And we're, gonna not, we're not going to let this thing destroy our economy. So thank you, Columbia County, uh, for what you did. The Chamber will continue to monitor any and all COVID-related legislation and keep the business community informed. Vaccinations have helped keep many out of the hospital and will be key in helping us get through this pandemic and keep our economy strong. To ensure it continues to go strong, we must continue to protect our businesses during the worst workforce drought in modern history. If you want more details on the new orders issued by President Biden, check the show notes for a link to the White House COVID plan page and OSHA's Emergency Temporary Standard page, where the official language will be posted when it's available. The Chamber would again like to thank Mark Friedman from the U.S. Chamber and Representative Rick Allen for taking the time to unpack these latest orders that will have an impact on our business community. We also want to thank our show producer, Kimberly Lahodny, and of course, our podcast sponsor, Premier Networks. You can find them at AugustaITGuys.com. Again, that's AugustaITGuys.com. One final reminder, please subscribe to our show through your favorite podcast app and be sure to rate us and share our show so we can continue to grow. We'll catch you next time on Range of Influence.